Welcome to Laughter for All. It's the podcast with comedian Nazareth. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Laughter for All podcast. I am comedian Nazareth. Thank you for joining me for episode number 95. 95. Can you believe that? This has uh, been going on for over two, almost two years now, and uh, it's so good to be with you guys in this new time. This is our second week where we're meeting at 6.30 p.m. instead of the 2 p.m. we used to. And the reason we did it at 2 p.m. two years ago is because uh, I needed a studio to shoot the show and to do it, and the only time slot they had was uh, a Monday at 2 o'clock, and then it became Tuesday at 2 p.m. So that's why we did it there, but we kept it, and then I found out that most of you are working or busy at 2 p.m., so we started doing it now at uh, 6.30 p.m., which is uh, a better time uh, to do the show. I'm going to introduce our guest, Barry Brewer, and so before I bring him on, Barry Brewer is quickly on the rise as one of Hollywood's most multifaceted stars as an accomplished comedian actor and musician he is currently the star of BAT's highly anticipated series Tyler Perry's Bra the half hour original comedy follows four college friends in their theories as they navigate the world of dating careers and friendship in the present day society the show premiered in 2020 on BAT plus he also recently released an inspirational album titled uh, Conquer Goliath, which he performed, wrote, and composed. The Pop and RB project is currently available on all major music streaming platforms, including Apple Music, Spotify, Google Play, and many others. On stage, his live hour-long stand-up comedy special, Barry Brewer, Chicago, I'm Home, is available in many major platforms, Amazon, Apple, Vudu, BET+, etc. He also recently created, produced, and hosted the stand-up special, The Next Generation of Stand-Up. Each episode will feature three rising comics in an effort to give the platform to the next wave of comedians in urban communities. Both were shot in his hometown of Chicago with the support of his community. On television, he has appeared in numerous shows, including Kevin Hart's Guide to Black History, BET's Games People Play, and BET's Comic View, among many others. Uh, Brewer is a native of the south side of Chicago, and he emerged into the world of comedy in 2001. He continues to inspire those around him, most recently with the inception of his production company, Only Believe Entertainment. In addition to his comedy, Brewer is a musician, like we said. All right, so welcome to the show, my good friend, Barry Brewer. How are you? I'm well, Nazareth. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been such an evening, but uh, <laughs> I made it, so thank God. So you were at the gym? I was at the gym with my son. Um, I have a workout. My son is um, in sports, and um, I committed to Tuesdays and Thursdays uh, working him out. And um, How old is he? He's 11. Oh, and you take him to the gym at 11? At 11. He's very serious. He's serious about basketball and getting to – highest level and being great at that level. So um, I had him on some AAU teams. And so we do a, a run where he gets to really learn hands-on uh, to get better. So have you played, have you played the basketball yourself? Yes, I, I did. Play so you, you, so you can, you can really, you know, teach him and all that. That's the best thing, man. Yes, yes. You know, I, I had a passion for it long, you know, when I was younger, but didn't have the, the resources and the opportunity to, to develop early on so that I could, you know, <clears throat> play at a high level. So I'm trying to make sure he has like all the, you know, intangibles to have the opportunity to go as far as he would, you know, you know, he'll, he'll push himself to take him. So did your dad do that with you? My dad did not. My dad wasn't around, unfortunately. Uh, so mm. I, I kind of found basketball just on my own and um, kind of picked it up and just it became a passion of mine. But no, my dad wasn't around. Oh, what are you? You said you were born and raised in the south side of Chicago, which is one of the hardest places to to be born and raised in. What was that like for you? Uh, yeah, I hear that a lot. Um, I guess you don't know how hard it is because that's where you grew up. at. So you just learn how to adapt. 
but it was it was um you know i guess growing up seeing life now i could say it was tough but i didn't know that then i just what was what was life for me i learned a lot i'm so grateful for the uh, humble beginnings because i think i can appreciate blessings now having um things and, and resources and just things i didn't have growing up i think not having it makes me appreciate it so much today um growing up in a single family home and seeing drugs and alcohol discouraged me Personally, I've never drunk or smoked, not judging anybody that do, but um, because of how I saw it in the worst way, it's something I never wanted to do because of it, you know, seeing it with my mom and around my neighborhood. So it inspired me to not want to do those things, and I'm grateful for it today. Um, that's so. that's amazing. I mean, that's, I mean, really, uh, I mean, right in the last, what, you've been up Two minutes, my hat off. I have so much appreciation as as a dad, as a young man who's really. You said you you your father wasn't around. Was your mom an alcoholic? Yes, was, she was. My mom was alcoholic. She was, she was on drugs, um, doing crack. Um, yeah, she. So um, who who raised you? My mom. <laughs> my mom raised me. Uh, I was, I started getting. I kind of was on my own around sixteen, so I was getting kicked out the house between 13 and 16 and around 16 is kind of when I was on my own. So I, I, I supported myself from 16 to, to, to today. Please, please forgive me for asking. I mean, uh, what was it like when your mom was under the influence when you were like eight, nine, 10, how, how did you react? What was, what did you do? Did you hide? Did you, what, what was that like? I wasn't no hiding from it. I had to deal with it. I remember my mom waking me up all the times of night. Uh, being very paranoid that people were against her. Uh, uh, was, you know, her getting into it with my stepfather, the police coming, uh, her being gone, nobody there in the morning time for me to get me and my younger brothers together for school. Um, uh, you know, just, you know. I'm being, losing your voice. You're losing my voice? Can you? Can okay, you it's me? back now. Now I can hear you back. Okay. Thank you. I'm sorry. Um, just, you know, it was a lot of dark things, uh, but I, I never hid. I just uh, would come home hoping she wasn't. It's usually on the weekend. My mom was a functional addict, so she was mm. still able to keep a job and to, you know, keep a roof over our heads. And so, like I said, I just dealt with it. I used to go to church. I used to pray for her. Uh, I am grateful to say my mom is not. She doesn't drink anymore. She doesn't do drugs. Amen. So, amen to that. She's doing well, enjoying her life. So, um but yeah, it was tough. It was tough. It, it definitely uh, was tough growing up. I don't talk about it often because, you know, it was such a place. I used to wish I was someone else. I wish I was in a different life. I used to wish I was my cousins because I just felt like they had it so well. But I think as I've gotten older, I'm so grateful for the tough times because I, I really truly believe that it's pushed me to want to be great and to believe that God can do, you know, anything. Amen. Ah, what, were you the oldest sibling? Did you have other brothers and sisters? You were yeah. the oldest. Yes, I'm the oldest of three boys. So my brother below, uh, below me is five years younger than me. Then my youngest brother is seven years younger than me. So you were kind of like like the father figure for them or like the helping them out? Yeah, I was the father figure, literally. I remember early on in life them telling me Happy Father's Day. Um, <laughs> I just left my youngest brother. But um, um yeah, I was, um, and um, I had to be, and I'm grateful for the opportunity. It gave me a, a crash course in parenting early on. So, um, <laughs> when did the comedy? When did you feel, hey, I'm funny? <clears throat> I don't think I ever felt I was funny. I love to laugh. I felt when I felt I was funny was when I first got on stage as a teenager in front of the church, and it gave me a standing ovation. And that's when I felt funny what did you what got you to church was it your yeah i mean how my how was your what your grandma mom yeah my grandparents asked my mom could she could they take me to church when i was smaller so on the weekend i would go to church my grandparents would come pick me up who's actually my cousins but it's a whole long story my mom's mom passed when she was young and so she's raised by her great aunt <clears throat> and um yeah so anyway my grandparents, who's my cousins, like my third, fourth cousins, took me to church on the weekend. And that was my opportunity to get out the hood, to get out away from the bad things. And that's what opened up my 
my my curiosity to music to sports it was like a, a get out it was like a dream like to get away from home and to get away from all that i absolutely love church it was the, it's the reason why i'm here you know because it has so many young people that's why i love church today because even if you're not so you know you don't know god yet, if you stay around or you have some things that attracts you to a place that has good people you'll find you'll you'll stumble up upon jesus somehow <laughs> Uh, so you were 11 the first time. How how much time did you do? And what were you talking about? Do you remember? Oh, yes, I remember some of my jokes. <laughs> um, uh, my first joke was about how every every church has a Mother Jenkins. That's not her name, but every church has a Mother Jenkins. And Mother Jenkins is real nice to you in your face, but when you walk away, she talks about you. So I, <laughs> so I would do the voice. I'm like, ah, how you doing, baby? Ah, you look real nice with those plaid and polka dots. Uh, who dressed you? Oh, okay. Well, I see you next Sunday. Then you walk away. She's like, "Oh, Stevie Wonder must have dressed her this morning. <laughs> he picked her outfit out. The devil is busy this evening in her wardrobe, you know. So, <laughs> That's so, funny. And so, you got a standing ovation. I got a standing ovation. You know what was crazy? I, I remember this like yesterday. I was talking, Mother Jenkins, the character, was talking about a lady named Sister Palmer and how she wasn't matching. Apparently, there was a Sister Palmer at the church oh no it wasn't matching and it was a thing and i didn't know so that's why the crowd was even like laughing so much harder because they knew that i didn't know her so it was just so ironic <laughs> so what was your next show after that after that 11 year old what was the next show um my next show was at another church i didn't do so well and somebody asked me, <laughs> somebody asked me to come for a concert and they put me up at a wrong time. Like the spirit was high, you know, like the spirit in the church was high. So the, yeah. yeah, like right after that was like crazy. So everybody's just looking at me like, what is he? Well, why are we doing this? You can't uh, follow the Holy Spirit, man. You can't. Oh, no. That's the headliner for sure. Uh, but, um, yeah, from there on, man, I started getting into comedy clubs and doing comedy everywhere. Cause it was only so certain amount of opportunities to do it in church. Um, but I went to the club and I was clean and I was doing how old were you when you did the club? I was when I started getting the clubs, I was like 18, 19. Oh, okay. So you uh -huh, but I, I I had this other comedian, they would help me get into the club because I still wasn't old enough. You have to be 20. Right. But some of the comedians knew me from around, so they would help me get in and tell them I was a comedian, they would let me in uh to get me into the clubs because i wasn't old enough but they would let me in and let me do my stuff were you clean back then i was i've been clean the whole time i did try to cuss on stage once and i never tried it again i remember like it was yesterday i was like 19 um I, leslie jones she's on uh saturday night live she was on the movie ghostbusters she was headlining uh -huh. and um i knew i was on the show i was like oh i felt like i had to be different I said, okay, I got to go up there and be blue. You know, that's what, you know, that means cuss. So I was like, I'm going to use these cuss words. And it's funny because I never really use profanity in my normal life. So I don't know why. I know you don't. So I don't know why I thought that this would make more sense to do it in the stand-up. So I probably got up there cussing all wrong, didn't know how, where to put it in. <laughs> and I didn't do good at all. <laughs> and so from then on, I didn't use profanity. I did that one time and I never did it again. So I, I don't, pref I never... Other than that one time of trying it, because I was already doing it, and I was already funny, but I wanted to kind of be, I guess, like everybody else for that moment, and it didn't work out for me. You know, this is interesting, because at, at one point, I was the president of the Christian Comedy Association. We had 300 members, and one of the things you noticed, and mostly, and I'm not trying to to group one group together, but... A lot of African American comedians, I noticed, they they they're at church on Sunday and they do clean show on a, uh, for a church, but during the week, I mean, they're in the clubs cussing and all that, and it's just very, it's very difficult. I mean, they're very very few. I think it's Michael Jr., Bone Hampton, yourself, Jason Earls. It's very few comedians, African American comedians, that that mm -hmm. you know. And a lot of them, I asked him, I said, so what's wrong with that? I mean, I'm at church on Sunday. What is your thoughts about that? Why are you different? I think it has a lot to do with the culture of black people mm. because we grew up in some, not in my church. My church was really holiness. So 
you didn't hear no cussing. But in some churches, in African American churches, like Baptist churches, no offense, not all Baptist churches, obviously. I want to get like a whole flood of people like, oh, you're saying we're this. So <laughs> please let me preface like, I, this is not everybody. But in some ministries, they saw that growing up. They saw grandma, they saw the deacon, sometimes using profanity at home, right? And mm. going to church. So I think it's just, you know, black people, we do use profanity in life, <laughs> some of us. But I think that some of those people saw that growing up. So I think that that's why they become that, right? Like I didn't see mm -hmm. that my grandma didn't use profanity. Like I didn't use profanity because of that, right? Church was, I grew up in holiness and you know, holiness is really strict. And so using profanity was a no-no, but as I started to be a musician and travel and play for different ministries, I saw that other people weren't so, you know, a stickler. They would do things that I didn't think represented Christ, but you know, it was no judgment, but they, I think that people do that because of that's what they've seen growing up. So. Now, how did you get into music? How, who taught you? What did you play? What, what instruments did you do? I know yeah. you were a drummer. Yes, I was a drummer initially. I got a piano right there. I might go jump on it for you. Um, <laughs> um, I started with the drums at church, just played by ear. I never um, playing by ear. Played the drums, started on that, learned the saxophone, and then I moved on to the organ and the piano. And I just kind of picked it up at church and it was a gift. I learned how to play by ear. Wow. It's a God gift. Like I could pick up a song and I can't explain it, but say it was a gift from God. Man, when did you, what was it when you went on stage at age 18, you're in a comedy club, what was your dream like? What was like, where did you thought you would be right now? My dream was to be, I always looked at Martin Lawrence's career. Uh -huh. Somebody I really admired. Him and Sinbad was two of my oh, yeah. favorites. And if I could mesh their career together, like maybe the style of Sinbad, but the success of Martin Lawrence, like I, that's how I saw my success. Mm. Um, but um, that being said, uh, as, as I started to journey this career, you see that you, you tell God your plans and then he'll laugh at you. But um, <laughs> but but I'm so grateful for where I am. I moved to L.A. at 21, chasing my dream. Uh, and recent, more recently, I started getting TV opportunities and things like that. But I'm so grateful because I was young. So I've learned so much. I've grown so much. I've matured so much. So uh but I thought that I would be, I never, I just knew I would make it. I just never knew when. But I saw hey, let me clarify. You made it, man. I mean, when I'm talking about you're doing, you're working with, uh, uh, you know, Tyler Perry and doing all these shows and, and you having your own, you know, production, uh, what do you call it? Production company, all that. I mean, you've, you're there. I mean, we all put what we think success is. I mean, you're there, you're accomplished. I'm just saying, because I'm a comedian too, and you're always never satisfied with where you're at. And that's where my question comes. Yes, definitely. No, I don't think I'm there, but thank you. I do appreciate it. I think I'm there when I can give people, when I can change life through giving jobs. That's when I think I've made it, when I can change someone's life, right? Like I look mm. at Mr. Perry, Tyler Perry, and the position he's in, like in my mind, that's making it. When you have been blessed with the power to help somebody's life, when you give them a job, their whole life changes for the better. So um, I look forward to that one day, but yes, I am blessed and I have been able to, to, to you know, Put some fill up the uh, resume, so I'm grateful. For yeah, that. you have a great resume. And one of my fans asked this question, and it says, "Mr. Brewer, while Martin Lawrence and Eddie Murphy are influential people in your life, while growing up playing organ in church, who had an obviously a big fan of yours, who had an influence on your Christian walk, and are you able to be the same positive influence to others through your walk with the Lord or your comedy?" Yes, I am. Um, you know, when I speak of my walk, I think that you're more, it's, it's about the being genuine and sincere. I think sometimes, and not to, I can get really deep, but it's about being genuine, being sincere, and being honest. I think sometimes as Christians, we don't show our other parts. So as a comedian, as somebody who's uh, making people laugh, I also like to be real about life and, and all the 
different um, tribulations we go through and how I didn't, maybe I didn't get it right that time. Maybe I didn't make the right decision. Maybe I didn't say the right thing there, but God still loves me and he can forgive me and I'm not my mistakes. And this is how I continue to push forward because God has a purpose for me. God has a destiny for me. And, the, and I am responsible for getting there despite what mistakes I make. And God is still with his hands open saying, come, you know? So I think I try to do that in all that I do, you know, in my comedy, just in my, in my life, in my lifestyle. And everything I do, I try to represent God. I try to do the right thing that God would have me to do. And that's how I try to be an inspiration or encourage people that they want to know more about me and say, what's different about you that I can then have the conversation and say is Christ. Right. And you, you have, during the pandemic, you did those motivational Monday things and, uh, and your album, Conquering Goliath. Tell us more about that project. Yes. Uh, motivational Mondays is a part of me. It's, you know, we, you know, in this comedian world, we're all trying to build our brands and the internet is such a thing. We're doing what we can, but motivation was something I always do in it. Motivational Mondays is just me sharing what I'm applying in my life to help me get to the dreams and destiny I believe God has for me. So that's that. Conquer Goliath is a music side. As I told you, I grew up playing music in church and um, Motivational Mondays is a big part. So as I was doing uh, this album, I was like, man, I want to express myself musically. And um, I wanted to inspire. I felt like, you know, you hear some songs that's really inspirational, but not often do you hear an inspirational album, like a whole entire album. You hear gospel or Christian music, but you don't hear an album like you can do it. You can go like when you go work out or when you're going to run a marathon or when you're going to have a, <clears throat> a match of some sort in a sport, like what can pump you up? You know what I mean? And Goliath represents that thing that you're afraid of, that big giant, as we know it with David and Goliath. So um, that album is what inspired that. I said I wanted to have something that people could play and be inspired and encouraged that no matter what's in front of them, no matter how afraid they are, to go after it anyway. Now, if you if God appears to you and say, okay, you can only either do music, uh, you know, or you can only do comedy, what would you go for? Ooh, that's tough. Uh, right. I'm gonna say comedy. Comedy, yeah, I thought so. Yeah, I'm gonna say comedy first. I'm you are hilarious. You have energy. I mean, I remember when we had you at the uh, crossroads, we had 3,000 people, and you were killing to the point I was like, uh, I better get my <laughs> a material because this guy to follow you was, oh, was hard. Man, but, I appreciate you. Thank you. You, you. I have another question from the same person, Crystal. And, uh, you know, since we covered this area, I feel comfortable asking this. She said, growing up like me with a parent who struggled with addiction must have been very tough. I know that for me, it, sh it shaped negatively who I am today. I never did forgive him. And our relationship remained rough until his passing. Have you been able to forgive your mom and restore your relationship with her? <clears throat> yes. First of all, and I'm, I'm praying for her that she has forgave him and that she does. I've learned that forgiveness is for me. I shouldn't allow... I, I, yes, I did forgive my mom. I forgave my dad. I forgave anybody that did anything because I understood that they didn't have all the tools to be the best that they needed to be. Um, and they tried to do the best they could with what they had. And I forgave them and I'm grateful for the things they were able to do because I saw that the things that I lacked and the things that I went through shaped me to push and to be uh, motivated to go after greatness. So I did forgive them because I learned that forgiveness is for me not to carry that weight on my shoulders of being upset and bitter and jaded about what they did or did not do for me as a child and knowing that God somehow allowed it to be that way for his purpose and but it, that it will work together for the good and because of that i've been seeing the fruit of that as i've been living that god has truly blessed me and when i made mistakes i believe god has forgiven me because i forgave them that is amazing well done well done uh your project uh is called uh, chicago i'm coming home is that what it's called chicago i'm home yes uh chicago i'm home and uh <laughs> What was that? Because you went back to where you grew up in the south, uh, you know, side of Chicago, and you uh, you did the album. And how was the community supported that? How did they react to you? 
man, that was so just let me share with you my goal and my dream when I first started comedy was to always do my stand up special. And I always wanted to come back to where it all started at. So I rented out a theater downtown Chicago. I didn't have anybody backing me. I went and raised money from family members and friends to produce it. I packed it out. Two shows as a 750 seater theater. I did not know if people was gonna show up. I was, it wasn't nothing but God up to like showtime. I didn't know who would show up. Uh, this guy at the last minute, he's a singer, he, a gospel singer, and he sings R&B inspiration. Now his name is Molly Music. Came and did a free um, performance for me. He's my musical guest. Mm. Uh, so I promoted it, promoted it with that. And so it just was such a blessing. Like, as I said, to go from the South side to downtown and to make it and to fill up two theater, you know, two shows with 750 people was just God. And, and you know, comic comedy is like basketball. You have great games sometimes. And sometimes you just can't miss, you know, with the right. That's yeah. you can't miss. But you ain't always knowing, like, you don't know what day it's going to be. You just got to go warm up and hope that the shot fall. So that day was that. It's like, God, I want this to be special. And God just allowed it to flow. I, I created some jokes on stage as the Tamers is going in the special that I just came up with on stage right then. Wow. I mean, so, normally you don't do new material when you're taping. Not, no, you do not. But it was just flowing that way. I did an hour and 20 something minutes, both shows. So all yeah. of the material didn't make it, obviously. But uh, it was just a blessing, man. I can't even, like, from the production side of it, I directed it from every aspect promoting it. Like, I learned so many things. And, and it just was my faith because I didn't know. I didn't know that it would get, I had no place for it to land. I didn't have a distribution deal. I didn't have anything. It was just me going on faith and saying, Hey, I believe I'm ready to have my own special. And you know, it's premiered on the CW network uh nationally. It was on the they premiered mine, Louis, Louis Anderson, and a few other comedians during the pandemic. So I was like, how many stand-up specials you know made it on network TV? You know, so God is definitely just blessed. And it was just a, it just more, it just fueled my faith more because I'm I'm only believe for real. Like I really believe in for God to do even greater. No. In that in that special, I saw a little bit of it, and you did a bit about how worship is different in a white church than a black church. But yes. I want to know how is comedy is different in a white church than a. You've done both. Yes. How, oh, how is how how is that? Tell me. Oh, and yeah. I, I'm learning right now. I've done both many times, but I want I want to get your perspective on it. Definitely, it's about culture. Black. African-Americans, we are, um, <laughs> okay, so I'm going to call, I'm going to say mainstream and, and, and the urban crowd. That's what I'm going to kind of separate them as those two. Mainstream okay. crowd, they believe that you're good because you're on stage. You don't even, I don't have to know you. The fact that you're performing, they, they value that. They're like, oh, you must be good. You're up there. Black people? you got to almost light yourself on fire. They will not, like, you got to super impress them because if they don't know you, they they automatically think you're not good because they think that they would have known you if you were good. That's amazing. That is so right. You look at the Apollo and you're right. They don't want, you know, you better be good or else we give you one minute. <laughs> Quick. So so that's the big difference, right? And, um, and we're very passionate. The urban crowd is passionate. So... Sometimes when you come off very like in mainstream, you can just come up there real lackadaisical and relaxed and just talk to them and they'll listen. You know, urban crowds, like you gotta, you gotta give them, you gotta yell a little bit. You gotta be a little aggressive. <laughs> What's up? How you doing? Like, like that's what gets our attention. That we're, you know, we're, we're certain energy. We're yeah, you gotta give energy. Everything's energy for us. Everything is, you know, assertive for us. So um you know and i embrace it i love it you know but i had to learn it you know uh and when they're doing both crowds it, it's a difference it just is you know and you learn how to you know work both crowds as a comic okay let's see my camera just went off so yeah, let you me disappeared okay let me uh, this, this is my show now everybody welcome uh, to yeah yes yeah, go ahead <laughs> go ahead take it from here take it from here 
Okay, let's see. He's back. I'm back. Okay. Comedian Nazareth. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Let me ask you this. Uh, You lived in Chicago and you lived in uh, L.A. Yes. What's the difference in the crowds, in the comedy crowds? Oh, that's a great question. The L.A. crowd is bougie. Because they okay. see Dave, Dave Chappelle walks in. Paul Mooney would walk in. Bob Saget, right? Dan Cook, Tiffany Haddish, Kevin Hart. They walk in any club at any point. Very frequently, you see anybody and everybody. Sarah Silverman. Like, they'll just come and get on stage. So they become like spoiled like mm. in other cities like chicago if you get up there and rock like they they paid their money they're blue car like they're not spoiled so if you're mm. funny you get up there and you will really get them they just you know what i mean but yeah i think the la crowd is just they're, they're they bougie they're like oh you're not you're not uh amy schumer yeah <laughs> you know you know so I think that that's the difference. So sometimes when you're performing in LA, you're pulling teeth sometimes early on because it's kind of like the urban crowd thing, but it's not urban. It's just like mm, a little. Mm. <laughs> it's like, who are you? What's your credits? I never seen you on TV. Right, right. right. Like, so you got to go up there and prove yourself. You know, I've done the improv and yeah, and I had to prove myself. And I, you know, as a as a comic coming from where I come from, I, I'm I have no problems with proving myself. But that's the difference. You got to work a lot harder early on with those crowds. That's a very good explanation. That's really it's so it's so right. You know, you're right. That audience is really bougie. Yeah. Uh, what are you working on? What are you working on right now? Great question. I'm working on another album called Villain Hero. Music Villain album. Hero. Villain oh, Hero. it's a music album. Yes. So you're uh, going to be singing. I'm going to be singing. Yes. <laughs> and, and you produce it and you edit. What do you What do you think of Kanye West? Where, where is he at right now? I just he, he dropped a new album and I was listening to it. It's a lot of worship. But uh, my daughter was saying it's not as good as the last albums. Did you get to hear it or something? Yes, I'm a Kanye West uh, fan as a relation. He's one of my favorite rappers and creators. He's very creative, very talented person. Um, I try not to let his, <laughs> who he is and then his artistry like are different to me. Like some of the antics antics and things like that, I try to separate the two. Um, I think he has another album called Donda or something that he's doing. He has like a mask on his face or something. It looks a little mm. dark. But mm. um, the gospel album, I uh, loved it. I absolutely loved it. You know, it comes back to his first his first single, Jesus Walk With Me, which I loved. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was his that was the his claim to fame song early on. Um, he's from Chicago, the South Side. Um, a great story, you know, uh, as it relates to that. I try to just encourage people. I pray, you know, you don't know what people are dealing with, but as every as it relates to his artistry, I'm a fan. I think he's talented. I think God has truly blessed him with a gift. Uh, I'm grateful to know that he always acknowledges that God is definitely who he is. Um, I know he gets a lot of slack from the Christian community, or especially the black Christian community, because of who he is outside of other parts of him. But I'm just grateful you have somebody in the forefront, at least acknowledging yeah. God is God. So for me, I, you know, I just want to keep praying for him and encouraging him and pray he continues to, you know, find who, who God purposed him to be and follow that. Yeah. And Chance the rapper, Chance the rapper is also from Chicago and all that. Yes, why is. is it? Why is all the great singer rappers are from Chicago? <laughs> Man, I think God is a lot of talent comes out of out of hardship and and, mm. and, and trouble and try, you know. I, I just think it is you know not just Chicago, New York, and you know these places where it's just hard to live and to grow and. People are just very talented, and I don't know if that's how God made it, but um, yeah, I don't know. You know, uh, Joey Ilo, another funny comic, he said, what's up, Barry, the nicest what's comic up, in L.A., I know. <laughs> yeah, what's up, uh, uh, let, let me ask you this question, and it just, uh, you worked with Kevin Hart? Yes. Yes, and uh, you've been in a show. What is, what is he like? What is he in the faith part? Uh, Have you I'm, talked about that? I haven't talked 
personally with Kevin about his faith, but I, I know he believes in God. Um, I know he believes in Jesus because of how his mom raised him. Uh, but as it relates to in detail, his walk and, and how, how that works, I know that he always acknowledges how God has blessed him and where he is. I've, I've heard him say that. I feel like he understands God has blessed him, how he carries himself. He goes out his way to speak to people. He tries to remain humble. Um, every time I've seen him in person, he always never treats people, you know, less than. And I think that's really, he really cares about the people alongside of him. Um, he still remains to be a good person. I saw him early on um, before his success. And if I see him today, he's, he's the same person, just like Tiffany yeah. Haddish. Yeah, they, they are people that God has allowed them to remain grounded, even though they've been so blessed in so many ways. And I think that's why they continue to be blessed. Amen. Amen. And uh, let's see, uh, your next comedy album, will it be shot in L.A. or in Chicago? I am working on my next comedy album. I have no idea where it'd be shot. Um, I, I, that's a great question. Um, it probably won't be shot in L.A., but um, yeah, I, I just want to go, <laughs> like I told you, the crowds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, the bougie. Yeah, that's right. I, I should have never asked that yeah, question. I want to go to a place, no offense, L.A. I want to go to a place where they where they just really appreciate you and they're so grateful for you to be there. It's just no greater feeling than being someplace where they really excited and feel blessed to have you. Right. Let me, let me ask you this. Uh, how do you write your bits? Because you do bits and just amazing. You have a bit about <laughs> you went on a gay date and you didn't know about it. And that's, I mean, you're a Christian. I knew you're not going to go anywhere wrong with it. But it was so fun. How do you write? What is, I mean, from beginning to end, how, what is, what is a bit like? That's so funny. I feel like I always, I write a premise down and I go on stage and try to figure it out. <clears throat> I try because sometimes I call it when your gift is working. You you ever on stage and you say something that you did not write and it hits? Yes. I call that the gift working. That's when the gift is working. When God's gift. Sometimes you can't write it. It's the gift working that God's gifted you with. Uh -huh. So for me, I think a lot of my jokes have came from me having premises, getting on stage, allowing the gift to work, and to flound out, filming it watching it again, like, oh, that says that, why well, see an expression, and then building it from there, going back on stage, adding that piece. Mm. Remember the little moments I did on the first show that went well, and then the things where it didn't go so well, I tried to you know, tweak those. Because it's like you're building something, it's like a puzzle, you put that piece and you step back and you say, okay, like a bit is that, like it's not just very simple, because especially when you want to talk about yourself, like I. You know, I try to talk about real life. I try to talk about my life and my relationships. I try to talk from a real place. So sometimes sometimes it's just funny for what it is, but sometimes you need to sit here and, and build it out, right? I'm working on some stuff about my wife and how I started off as the, I'm going to be the man in the house, but I'm, I'm deteriorating because I don't have the energy <laughs> to be the leader no more because she wins. <laughs> You get what I'm saying? So, <laughs> but I want to. I want to show. I want to show this bit I'm working on. I want to show how you, we start off strong, and how we lose momentum, and we start just going. And the woman be still like, "Hi," ah, just and we just <laughs> fighting to be the leader all the day. You end up losing every single time in every every couple relationship. You see it, but um, so I write the premise down. I get on stage. I kind of talk about the premise, I record it, come back, I listen to it, I tweak it, I see what I can add, go back on stage, do that same process again and continue to build that bit out until it's like good. But you know what's crazy? You continue to build bits only when you don't TV, but you start adding something, you're like, oh man, I wish I would've did that. I wish that. I did that, yeah. So I so you, yeah. So you are, you, you work hard. I want the younger comic who are watching and listening to know that, that, you, you know, some people think, oh, you just go up on stage and just wing it and do it. But you are, uh, what do you call it? You are really a, a working comic. You build the bit together. And that's amazing. Uh, Bobby Miller, a friend of mine, is asking, huh, are you tight with Lecrae? Are you good friends? Do you guys talk? I've never met Lecrae. Uh, I look forward to meeting him one day. I listen to his music. Um, but no, I've never met Lecrae. Um, who's <laughs> good Who's good right now as a comedian? Who's, who's good? 
Yeah, uh, out there. Comedians. Uh, where do I stop? Um, Zaynab, Johnson, uh, Tyree Lane, Clayton Thomas, Ron G. Uh, what's his name? He's one of my favorites to watch. Oh my God, what's his name? Henry Coleman, Corey Fernandez, uh, Ruben Warren, uh, Nate Jackson. Uh, Those are all new guys, huh? Oh, yeah. Or... They're not even new. They've been doing comedy for 15 plus years. It's just that we don't know them, but it's so many. I can keep going. So, uh, no. so many. Uh, now, how has comedy have changed in the clubs? Now, you know me. I do bigger arenas. I haven't been to the clubs a lot. But mm -hmm. how has comedy changed from 10 years ago, for example? I don't think it's changed. I don't mm. think it's changed at all. I think that it's just newer people. Um, I think comedy's becoming a thing. Everybody's trying it. But I don't think it's changed. I, I still see the same... You know, if it's new people, it seems like the same system. You know, you're trying to get on stage. You're trying to prove yourself. You got the older veterans looking at the younger uh, comedians like, y'all still wet behind the ears. You know, y'all need to go and work on your craft. You know, like, just like everybody did you when you were first coming up. Like, it's just the same cycle happening happening over and over again. But I mean, as far as woke, like being, you know, politically correct, you can't talk about this. Oh, you gotta, oh that's not that part. Oh, that's night and day. Oh, yes, that's totally different from 10 years ago. Oh, you can't sneeze on stage <laughs> without getting canceled. I think people are just very sensitive. And um, I think because the, the gatekeepers control the medium, they can try to stop or try to, you know, take away from what you are and what you do because of them not agreeing with your perspective. Um, I don't think that's okay. I think comedy and poetry used to be one of the last self-expressions and like the person could say what they feel in those spaces and nobody judged them, you know, whether it was racist or not, whatever, like that was a space where you could kind of get away with all of those things and nobody, we would laugh, you know, especially yeah. you, have to be, you have to be creative with it, obviously. Right. <clears throat> but yeah, I think it's become night and day in that regards. Um, for me personally though, I just always try to do things, even when I did the gay day joke, I just try to do things with a certain level of love behind it. And I always try to talk to people who are maybe in that lifestyle to ask them, hey, how does this make you feel? Because I've had some people respond negatively to the joke. And mm. say, well, you're bashing or this is negative. And so not a lot, but a few, you know, but you can't please everybody. I was like, I I'm still a heterosexual man talking about my experience. It's like, you know, like you can't mention, you know what I mean? But for yeah. me, I just feel like if you do it in love and, you know, you're still going to get some backlash if you want to talk about any sensitive subject. So, you know, Jeff Allen, a very funny comedian, uh, he said this. He said, when people complain about his bits, he said, show me where the malice is because I don't want to be malicious, but I don't mind addressing the ridiculous. You know I what I mean? I love that. That's I great. love that. That was amazing. And you stop you stop them. That's how you you take the power from them, right? Because when you point right. out you can't point out any malice, you can't point out that. I think it, it get it doesn't give them any legs to stand on. Anybody, whoever it is, you know? Yeah. Um and then as an African American man who knows the history of this country and all that we've been through, you know, I feel like I have a, another uh <laughs> like just perspective on like like i don't know a passageway to say what because <laughs> and it ain't coming from a bad place right like everybody gets jokes everybody gets cracked on you know in yeah. a good way in a loving way it, yeah in, in black culture like if your cousin was handicapped or he cracked jokes on you you cracked jokes yeah. on him like that's yeah just, yeah and it was love it wasn't malice it wasn't nothing evil it was fun we laugh and we go about our day and we love each other and we help each other and we continue to grow as a family so i hope that we can get back to that i hope i i i i have a feeling that we we will get back people are gonna get tired especially in the comedy arena where like you you want to express yourself you want to talk about the culture and if you can't talk about the culture and what are you gonna what are you gonna do so hopefully this will pass i believe so dave chappelle give us hope 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. He did. If your son said that, I want to be a comedian. What do we, What do you say to him? Yeah, work hard. You, I'm working. On, these are three things I'm working on my son with. I say, son, whether it be basketball or anything, you need to focus. You need to give all your focus, all your effort, and have a good attitude. Mm. Period. No matter what it is you're trying to do. And I would encourage him to do it. He has said early on in life that he wanted to be a comedian. He still says it now. He's done some jokes. Um, but I would encourage it. I, I would encourage it. I, I think that you should try whatever you think you want to do. Like, I just want to really give my children hope to just go dream and go for it. You know, we put everybody in a box. Go to college and just work a job for someone. And if that's what you want to do, then by all means, go do that. But if it's a child that wants to paint or wants to create or wants to. Uh-oh, I lost you. Uh-oh, we lost Barry Brewer. So now I have to welcome him again, even though. All right. Uh. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show, Barry Brewer. Welcome to the show. How are you, Barry? Welcome to the show. <laughs> Somebody called me. I'm sorry. I was on my phone. <laughs> no problem. I mean, we're in the last few minutes of this show, so I want. I know you're a great motivator. I want you to encourage the people who are watching and listening, and I want you to know, to know this show is doing well in Russia in New Zealand, uh, of course, in the U.S., we're in the top 50 podcasts and stand-up comedies. That's a blessing. So, Congratulations. That's a blessing. And thank you again so much for always, always opening your platform up for me. I, I don't take that for granted. We were talking about comics and just the world that we live in. People are not as kind to always call on you and to give you work and to look out for you. So I'm very grateful for you, very grateful for you and your family. And thank you for always just being who you are. I do appreciate you greatly. Oh, no problem, man. Thank you so much. And also, uh, this is special because today is my 25th anniversary, and I'm, I've am i canceled the live with Nats tonight. So if you're waiting for the 8.30 p.m. show tonight, which is every weeknight at 8.30, we're, we're not. I love you guys, but I'd rather spend it with my wife. But I really wanted to get this... Uh, I get, you know, Barry on the show. So uh, in those few minutes... Uh, before you you tell you encourage the people, how can people get a hold of you? I'm on all social media platforms, Barry Brewer Jr. Barry with an A, B-A-R-R-Y, Brewer, B-R-E-W-E-R, J-R as in Jr. Um, please follow me on social media. I have a YouTube page where I post content, Facebook page, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, um, MySpace, no, I don't, I'm not saying <laughs> <laughs> Hey, any more episodes of The Perfect Plan coming? Oh, thank you so much. No, not yet, but I do have a series that I'm dropping in three weeks called K&K &K that I wrote and produced that will be on my platform. I just produced it last week. It's eight episodes. It's called K&K. &K. It's a comedy about a couple uh, from two different worlds. Imagine Steve Urkel dating Rihanna and them trying to coexist. So... <laughs> Um, that's what the show is about. So it's a comedy. <laughs> it's going to be hilarious. All right. Okay. I'll, I'll leave it to you to encourage the people as we're closing. You're good at that. Oh, well, thank you so much for this opportunity. I just, if anything you want to do in life, I'm living it. I'm, I'm believing it. I, it's, it's all about your belief system. I know that people have discouraged us to believe that dreams don't come true. I know that sometimes as we get older, we believe that it's too late to chase our dreams. We believe that we've missed the window of opportunity. We believe that because we're not good at something or we've never tried something before, or maybe we've even failed at it before, that you know that's not for us. I just want you to understand that greatness is on the other side of failure. Greatness is on the other side of mistakes. You have to believe it first and then continue to work and work to get to wherever you want. And I want you to know that dreams still do come true, but you have to believe 
And when you believe and how you know you're believing, you start to use what that, whatever, any, any and everything in your power to help you get to whatever those things are that you're dreaming and believing for. So stop, take, stop making excuses about who you don't know and what you don't have. What do you have? What can you start doing? If you want to be a news reporter, start reporting the corner and what's happening on your, <laughs> your house. Like start wherever, like it doesn't matter how small you want to be a singer. Record some on your phone, start, create a Facebook or YouTube and just start singing cover tunes. See what happens. Like start somewhere. Stop making excuses that you don't have what you need to get to your dreams. If you fail, then you say, I really want to do this, but I'm not good. Well, you know, to get good at something, you have to practice. You didn't just start walking. You failed a lot. You didn't just start riding a bike. You got some scars to prove that. But you got back up, you got back on that bike and you kept riding. So I need you yeah. to know that dreams do come true, continue to believe, and see it come to pass. Amen. Thank you so much, brother. I'm so glad you're a believer because I can see where material can go bad, but I mean, as far as dirty, but you are so clean. I appreciate you. Love you, man. Thank, uh, you. thank you so much. Uh, come back to LA when you can and let's have coffee together. I yep. know I want to have you back when we do the the laughter for all concert in corona again so love you man thank you so much for your time and guys thank you for listening i appreciate that and uh just want you to know tonight uh after immediately after this i'm gonna go spend some more time with my wife and uh so uh they won't be alive with nas tonight i am sorry but we'll we'll resume tomorrow at 8 30 p.m thank you for watching this can you do me a favor Subscribe to this podcast, please do. Let your friends know about it. Uh, we don't always bring stand-up comedians, but we many times we have people like uh, Lee Strobel and Josh McDowell, and we have models, and we have uh, Mrs. America and Mr. America, and we have people, actors, we have singers, we have mothers, worship leaders, you name it. We'll bring them on the show. If I know they can encourage you and lift you up, I would do that. Love you guys. Can you thank you so much for being with us? And to those who asked questions, thank you so much. Hopefully, we're able to to answer some of that. Love you guys. We'll see you next week for this podcast, and we'll see you tomorrow night, eight thirty, God willing, for the live with Ness. Good night. Alrighty, and we are good night.